Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. My inclination was towards um, international tax planning, compliance, inbound investment, and what we call investor services, where we offer assurance services for internal controls and fraud prevention and that sort of thing for you know, for investors coming over into this business culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest, Juan Carlos Almanza, a CPA and really a general business consultant that specializes in international clientele from Mexico. I cover how I came to be in touch with Juan Carlos when I'm welcoming him to the program, so I won't go over that piece here, but there are a few interesting tidbits in this episode that are very deep within the program, so I want to make sure you don't miss them. First, as of the time we're recording this, Juan Carlos is 35 years old, and he started his practice when he was only 25 years old, and with only two clients and a website at that. You'll have to listen to the program for that story, but I found it pretty amazing myself. Juan Carlos also talks about how being raised really on both sides of the border helped him to be better prepared to service the clients he handles in his practice now. It's really a story of how parlaying your unique background into a practice that serves a specific niche of individuals similar to yourself can work out into an incredible business. If you have any interest in international business yourself or servicing international clients, this episode is really going to be intriguing for you. Also, if this is your first time joining us, please visit our website at www.whereaccountantsgo.com to subscribe to the program and for our 70-plus other episodes highlighting the careers of everyday accounting heroes just like yourself. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's Juan Carlos Almanza. Well, hello, Juan Carlos. Thank you so much for scheduling this in. I know tax season is bound to be a busy time for you guys, so thank you very much. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. This actually is a break for me. Anything that can get us away from the number crunching is great. (laughs) Well, thank you. I'm I'm glad we're giving you a little break. For the audience, it's actually Friday afternoon when we're recording this, so it's a little bit of a break for both of us. I have Juan Carlos Almanza, a CPA and business owner, on the line with us today. I invited Juan Carlos on the show because he happens to be a local San Antonio businessman, and I've noticed how much he's grown his practice over the last few years. Plus, we both happen to be in a business owners group called the Alternative Board, and he came very highly recommended from the leader for that organization in San Antonio, Don Maranca, who was also a previous guest of ours. 
Juan Carlos, I definitely want to get into all your current business ventures because actually when I think of you, I think accountant, but I also think businessman. And so I'm really curious to hear the rest of the story. But I want to make sure we let people know how you got into accounting in the first place and and sort of how you've progressed from that initial starting point. What initially led you to accounting as a possible career in the first place? Good question, Mark. I guess to answer that question and and to get some context behind it, I would have to explain how I grew up and where I grew up and how I was raised in order for me to truly, truly explain it. So to answer that question, I was born in Laredo, Texas, and was raised on both Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, which is the Mexican side of the border. When I say raised in both Laredo and Nuevo Laredo, what I mean is went to school in the U.S. So I I was schooled under the U.S. academic system. But at 3 o'clock every um, afternoon, we would go back and live a normal Mexican childhood. That being the case, I was raised very bicultural. My father is a doctor and my mom is a teacher. And I always, um, the norm is I'm going to be like that. He's my role model and, and my mother. So it just automatically, I always thought I would become a doctor. My grades had always been not excellent, but not terrible and not average, you know, a little bit above average, so they were good. And I was always very confident growing up in many things, but academics for me was very, it was, it was a good challenge and something I knew I could do. So whenever they would say, you know, doctor, medicine, wow, that's good. And that, that's a big aspiration. And for me, it was like, well, my dad did it, I'm going to do it as well. And, and that was it. I, I, I didn't give it too much thought until about senior year. So when senior year came around and I went to a private high school, which I'm very fortunate to have done because St. Augustine High School in Laredo really pushes the academic portion of it, which just like every teenager, I think uh, you need that push. So senior year came around and I remember it was about a week prior that you had to give your definite answer to the, to the counselor as far as what it was you were going to do and what college you were going to attend. Hadn't given much thought to it because in my mind, I had already set my mind and I was going to be a, a medical doctor. My whole family is U.S. citizen, so we, we grew up in Laredo, Texas. But, I mean, we were born in Laredo, but my father always, he, he, he didn't go to a U.S. school system, always in Mexico, everything in Mexico. So he attended a Mexican university, the Autónoma de Guadalajara. And I figured I would go there too. So when I found out that, or when it finally dawned on me, that I knew U.S. history, you know, Philadelphia, 1776, the Civil War, 13 colonies, the Great Awakening. It dawned on me that I didn't know much of Mexico historically and academically. I, I just didn't. When it came to the math portion, I mean, in Mexico, you, you know, a big part of the curriculum is since elementary. I mean, you, you know mental math, which is not the case, obviously, for the U.S. system. You can give me a calculator and I can calculate anything you want, but mental math is not how we're So knowing that, I I was told, you know, I had to take some remedial courses. And number one, medicine is is a long career. And two, just remedial courses were not for me. And I was was just not having it. So I was taking, at at the time, I was taking an accounting course, which I happened to enjoy. And since I needed to make a decision within a week, I said, you know, I'm going to go for accounting and I'll just change it later. Turns out I, I never did change it, and I stuck to it. It wasn't a thought-out decision. It really wasn't. It was a little bit under pressure. 
but I, you know, when, when it dawned on me that I wasn't going to become a doctor, then the second item on the list was accounting and it was just by chance. It just happened to be a course I was taking. And for some reason it popped in my mind when I had to put it down. So I did. Interesting. You know, you were meant to be an accountant because you, you waited till about one week prior to the deadline to make the decision. So you're, you're deadline oriented. See? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so where did you go yeah. to college then? I went to uh, UTSA. So that's okay. when in 2003, I came to San Antonio. I stayed in Laredo for personal reasons. We used to have a ranch in Old Laredo and I helped out my dad with the horses and all that. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm, and, and it was an economics issue for, for me. So I said, okay, I'll attend community college here in Laredo. And then when I'm ready, I'll see where, where I would transfer. Then a couple of friends were coming to San Antonio and I decided to come up to San Antonio as well at UTSA. I wasn't moving here without a job. So I was working at, at a bank in Laredo initially. And I transferred over with the bank and ended up uh, going uh, to UTSA, working full-time and, and studying full-time. Okay. So you get your accounting degree at UTSA. I guess at what point did you start thinking about the CPA certification? And also, what was your first job out of college? My first job out of college, so when I was going to college, I, I was fortunate enough to find an internship program at Isaac Ayala and Associates with Lieutenant Colonel Isaac Ayala, retired. And I was doing my internship there. He happened to have been referred by one immigration attorney. So he was getting a lot of international clients. And naturally, my, my upbringing, I think it is a good fit because, as, as I was saying, I grew up on both sides of the border. And, and I did not elaborate as far as what a different. Now that I think about it and, and talk about it, it, it really is a peculiar way of growing up because it's every morning, 6 a.m., you will wake up cross the border, go to U.S. academic system, three o'clock come around, go back and live the Mexican life with Mexican shows and Mexican traffic signs and, and language and culture and everything else. And, and I guess that's how you explain I'm a better basketball player than soccer player because of the way I grew up. So when I took this internship program and working with the international clients, it just, for me, it was very natural since my parents still lived in Laredo and and being a doctor and having his own clinic, he still had to deal with, you know, the Mexican taxes and the Mexican financial system. So when these clients came over, for me, it was like, I can actually bridge the two. I can inform them or do a comparison of the U.S. business culture versus the Mexican business culture, which you really have to understand the way they look at things so that you can really make a comparison. So I've always been a proponent of it's not the same to be bilingual and know the words than to actually feel it. Words have different meanings and the translation sometimes doesn't translate the same. So when I had this internship, it really, you know, started giving me purpose and, you know, not to feel overconfident or anything, but I always thought I was special, you know, since I was a, a young kid. But when I started having that first, you know, at 23 years old, that first sit down and I'm actually consulting, right? Because, and, and maybe not in technical matters, but just general matters, just things that came natural to me because I understood both sides of the border. And knowing that somebody was listening and, and that this information was actually very valuable, to me, that, that just got me. So I knew that this was what I wanted to do as a career. It's not 
my sole mission in life, but it, it is my career, my professional career. And, and I really said, you know, I could do this. So as confident and competitive that I am, I said, well, what's the pinnacle of this career? And it was the CPA certification. So I made a decision early when I was an intern that I had to take certain hours of courses and, and needed to sit for the CPA exam and become a CPA and made the decision. And, and that was it. I just pursued it. Never thought okay. twice about it. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. Your, your upbringing, as you said, really helped you prepare for these clients. That, that is amazing because they're coming to you and here at a very young age, you understand exactly what their challenges are because you've been there. So, wow, that, that, is, that is interesting. It's like, it's like your childhood was an internship for what yes, you do now. I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. And I think it also has taught me to adapt and be flexible and understand that there's two sides of the coin. And understand that in every situation, there's got to be, you know, I, I guess it, and, and, and like you said, I, I'm not the only one. There's a lot of my friends, my family, and, and the people that continue to grow up in the border. It's just, it kind of, you, you appreciate that once you go back to it and it's like, how can you explain that I could maybe go into a situation and, and, and on my feet, start thinking about it and coming up with a solution and start doing comparison and contrast and doing, start doing, you know, strategy and I think I have to do a lot with, with that switch, right? Because three o'clock, normally the, the way my girls are growing up here in San Antonio, the three o'clock, they get out of school and, and they might find that the neighbor went to the same school. So they continue that, whatever it is that they were going, they were doing in the playground at school, they continue doing it here. But for me, it was, you know, you go back to a different country where there's, there are no zoning restrictions and the people around the block might be older than you and younger than you and might not come from the same background and might be good and not so good and that sort of thing. So, and you get to hang out with other people. So you had to adapt really quick because, you know, you needed to fit in. So fitting in in all those different blocks, not to mention that I switched schools and I eventually like eight times while I was growing up. So, you know, constantly it was, and I still have my best buddies that I grew up with. So it's, it kind of also shows that when you make that also connection with, with, those people that really mean to you that you stick through it, but every other situation, you just fall into it. So it's, as I reflect back on it, it's just, it really is, you know, it has a lot to do with how I think and, and, and how I conduct myself in different settings. Hmm. So how long were you at Isaac Ayala's? And then I guess, tell us about what led up to you starting your own business. What was that transition like? Yeah, so with Isaac and Associates, I started there 2004, I believe. I was there as an intern. Then I graduated in August. I graduated in December 2006. But prior to graduating, I became engaged to Melissa. So on August 2006, I got married to Melissa. Mm-hmm. So Almanza, and it was a semester prior to graduating. So I, I, I was scheduled to graduate in December 2006. And throughout that semester, I, when we got married, I, I moved out of the apartment I was living with with one of my best friends and got my own place. But I was still earning that entrance salary. So Mr. Ayala being the wonderful man that he is, he knew I'd been recently married. And he said, well, Melissa can come and help us out with the administrative function. Or, you know, she can file or, or do this and that. And... Melissa being as bright as she is, she went to Isaac Ayala as well. And within, I want to say, within four months, 
she had picked up accounting and she was, you know, doing sales tax reports, payroll reports, income tax returns, bookkeeping, reconciliation, classification. I mean, she was doing the whole work and she's a psychology major. But that goes to say how her mind really works too. So at 16, you know, it's a little bit of background on her. And before we get into the businesses and, and the great compliments you were giving, Mark, as far as, you know, how we've grown the business and that I think it really has a lot to do with, you know, the person I married. So Melissa, at a young age, 16, she moved out of her home and she went to college in the U.S. not knowing English, right? So she absorbed English. By the time I met her, she was 19 years old and she could speak without accent. She could write, she could read, she could grammar from knowing nothing. So to me, that was always amazing, right? The way her mind worked, like a sponge. So August 2006 came around. We needed to bring income home. So Mr. Ayala offered her an administrative position. A couple months went by. And she, she already had her client. December came around and I knew to leave the internship finally and, and earn a graduate salary. So I went to work at another local firm for about six months. It was also an international taxation. It was also had to do with inbound investment and felt it was a lot of the similar background to the clients that I've, I've had previously. But within six months, I was a little restless and I wanted other challenges. So I left that firm for another CPA firm locally. And I was there for about another eight months. And how I fell back into opening up the own business was within that time frame, that year where when I graduated December 2006, towards all 2007, I had made a very good relationship with an immigration attorney myself. And she had mentioned, you know, she was always a, a pusher as far as, come on, go get it, go, go, go do this, go do that. And she was like, well, I have a couple of clients that need bookkeeping for their visa renewal. So I said, okay, I think I can help out. So I was doing some bookkeeping at home and it was the time where I guess whenever you start getting that business sense into you, uh, the next thing you think about is a website. So back in the day, it was very exciting for you, for someone to have a website. So I got a friend to design this website and I had about two clients, right? It was just <laughs> taking off, but I, I felt I needed a website for some reason. And, but I was working at this place, I mean, in good faith, I did understand the, the moonlighting aspect of it, but I really didn't feel there was a lot of harm since it was international clients, bookkeeping, you know, there weren't, the fit for that particular CPA firm. So I didn't think I was doing an infraction or anything, but I did check it. And when I came, that was a Friday. When I came on Monday, they told me the bad news, right? So they, they said, well, you know, we found this out, this website, and we tracked it down to the Texas entity search at the Texas Comptroller. And it clearly shows it's yours, right? So I said, well, you know, no harm. It wasn't on purpose. And, you know, I kind of explained myself, but they did make me make a decision right then and then. And basically, I don't remember the exact words, but they said either you stop what you're doing and stay or you can't continue working here. So I don't know what made me do it, but I said, well, thank you very much for the opportunity, but I won't stop what I started. And I don't even know why I said that because I was, as I was packing my things, I'm like two clients, really Juan Carlos, two clients. What are you going to do with two clients? I mean, you, you, it's nothing that, you know, it doesn't justify, but, you know, I had already said it. And like I say, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is usually what you really want and really feel. So it, it didn't make a lot of sense logically when it came down to, you know, economics, but I said it. So we had one car, I called Melissa and I said, hey, 
you might need to come pick me up. Uh, so she, <laughs> she drove back. She was still at Isaac Allen Associates. So she, she came to pick me up and she's like, well, what happened? And I told her, and for me, it was a big shock because I thought I had always been a good employee and I had already been, I'm the type of person that does the, the job I need to do the best I, I can, not for anybody else's satisfaction, but for my own, just to always raise that bar or whoever puts that bar, I, I always try to, it's a little game I have with myself to, uh, you know, surpass it. So for me, it was a big shock. And, and when I told her, she was like, well, what do you mean you got fired? And I said, yeah, but I said, look, we got to get to the next step. And Mr. Ayala had also mentioned that during tax season, if he had more work, that if I would be interested in and, and I said, well, I don't know if I can because of the moonlighting at that point. At that point, I did remember the moonlighting thing. But I told Melissa, I said, I'm, I'm wearing a suit. I'm wearing a coat and tie. I'm going to take up uh, Mr. Ayala on his, on his offer. So we went back to see him and I said, I'm ready to work now. No pressure if you have extra work, which he did. So right then and then, a couple of hours later, I was already working again. And that's how I was born again. I was a subcontractor accountant and Melissa was a contract accountant as well, bookkeepers. And that's how it all started. And everything else, you know, we just never looked back. I have to ask, because I know you have kids now. Did you have kids back then? No, we did not. Okay. And we were just, we were kids ourselves. We were just <laughs> kids ourselves. <laughs> okay. No kids. I was still thinking back to, well, I have two clients and a website. I mean, that's all I need. I just... <laughs> that's all I need. That's right. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's a great story. Wow. So tell us about your businesses now, because I, now I, I know how it started. Tell us where you are now, because honestly, I don't really have a full handle on everything you've got going on. It sounds like you're doing a bunch. Well, yeah, I think it seems more than what it really is. It, it, I have a, a, the firm. It's a, it's a full-fledged CPA firm now. And I am a certified public accountant. I'm a certified valuation analyst. And we have offices in Monterey, Mexico, and Mexico City. So when I got certified and opened up the, the firm, naturally, my inclination was toward international tax planning, compliance, inbound investment, and what we call investor services, where we offer assurance services for internal controls and fraud prevention and that sort of thing for, for investors coming over into this business culture and not being fully aware of business matters here. So we opened up uh, representation offices in Monterey, Mexico City. In 2015, our lease at our 410 location here in San Antonio, this is where we're headquartered, was coming to an end and we needed more space. So I, I thought we needed more space and so much in quantity. We, we wanted, I wanted a space that would fit what I wanted for the firm, which is more open space, different or crazy ideas, I guess I have on, on how I want the layout. And for me, it was, there was a lot of restrictions and, and permissions you had to go through when you have a landlord. So I figured I would be my own landlord and, and said, well, what do I have to do? And it's, well, you buy your own building and you get that going. So I was fortunate enough to form a good partnership with my partner now. And we created a real estate company, which it houses commercial real estate and, and some other real estate ventures that, that we have. But bottom line is we, we got to house our firm the way we wanted, the layout we wanted, which continues to be a work in progress. But pretty much that was the reason for that. So 
what I tell my team and, and my friends and family is in business, I don't look for economics. And I know, and, and this might sound like a cliche, but money for me, is not the end goal. It's not economics. And I've, we've had the conversation, oh, you became a CPA because you're the money man and you knew that CPAs make a lot of money, like lawyers. And it's like, well, you know, it wasn't about that. I don't think I, you know, I knew I would be well up, but not because I would be a CPA or it's just having this, this very good vision of what you want out of life and what you want for yours. And everything else just kind of falls in place. So going back to the, the, the question about how I decided to go into accounting and going back to the story of, you know, it was a week prior to telecounts, right? I really do feel that it was somehow, subconsciously, I, I pulled that in and it kind of fell in my lap. And, and that's the way it's been the, the story over and over again with everything that we do is we base it on good principles, good philosophy, which is truth and justice for us. And, and, I will tell you from day one, that's the speech they get. And it's truth and justice. We, we do that. And if you operate like that, there's nothing that can hurt you in, the, in, in that way. I mean, naturally things will come. Challenges will come. People that think different will come. But so long as you stay true to that, everything else just falls where it should. And I think that's how the businesses have, have evolved. You know, we needed a place the way we wanted and things fell on the right place. I was a partner in an art gallery as well. I had to uh, leave that partnership just because I needed to concentrate on growing the practice that, as we have uh, this year, we have uh, very ambitious goals where we want to get the firm and that's one of the sacrifices I needed to make. I really enjoyed it because it was part of the firm. So the reason why that got born was because I wanted to bring something different that wasn't the foosball table and the darts like the other firms maybe not in accounting, but, you know, attorneys and lawyers and uh, the whole millennial foosball table. And, and that setting for me is it's too casual. I don't like to be that casual. And when, I, when I'm in my mode from, from eight to five, just because I don't want my mind to get casual. And that's what I tell my staff as well. So I said, okay, but we still need to bring something that is going to break that dynamic and it's going to bring some good dynamic to the firm that it's not just all numbers and formality and, and, and discipline. So I said, okay, maybe if we bring in an art gallery, it would be a good aspect and a good supplement to the firm where you can break away, but it's still be a professional setting. So that's the reason for that. Even though, like I said, uh, sorry to say, but in, two, in 2018, I had to break from it so we can concentrate on what we're doing now. So I also am involved in some other investments with clients and friends, and that's kind of a sideline, although it's a very, it comes with a lot of responsibility, but we're also doing investment in real estate as well. What so, is Titan Venture Group? Because I, I saw something online about a Titan yeah. Venture Group. Okay. What is yeah. that? Yeah. So Titan Venture Group is a group I created with an attorney friend of mine, Charles Reffin. And the idea of Titan is to bring in clients or investors that are going to need both sides of our help, which is the financial side, the business consulting, and your legal protection, corporate governance, and that sort of thing. So we sat down and, and we said, okay, if we could offer this in one package, how can we come up with it? And, and the reason for that was I was finding that my attorney friends are charging traditionally with time and fraction of the time where, you know, you get a bill for opening up an email and it's like, ah, so for my type of client, it's that, let's just say it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. For them, it's sure. all about deliverables. It's, a, it's about deliverables. It's not about how much time you spend, but how much delivery, how much output 
you gave at the end. So I said, well, you know, let's under that auspices or, or under that concept, let's just offer a service that it's on a monthly retainer and we can offer both services and I will help my attorney friends just be very efficient with their time through processes and organization and it has worked thus far as well. But that's part of the firm. We just named it differently because there's another firm involved as well. Okay. I'm just curious because I interviewed a husband and wife team not too long ago. Is your wife still involved in the accounting practice? Well, she's actually a controller for one of Mr. Ayala's uh, companies. Oh. So she's not involved in the accounting practice anymore. But yeah, she's uh, working uh, as a controller for one of his companies. Interesting. Okay. That's wonderful that y'all are still on good terms and, and that, you know, relationship has continued to benefit you both. Oh, absolutely. The outward respect for Mr. Allen, everything he, he has done and believed in it more than anything. So, and I, and I think, you know, as how we are is part of the thing that, that fuels me personally is the responsibility part. Even, you know, I have a certain personality, which at first it might seem like I'm hyperactive and I'm, I'm doing this and, you know, I, I want to be the, the life of the party, this and that, but it truly is at a young age. It's, if there's responsibility set on me, I will do anything in my party, just come through, not ever fall short of it. And the first memory I have of that is first grade, Mrs. Diaz class. One time I didn't bring my homework and I just felt like the whole guilt and the whole world just collapsed on me just because that face. And I remember her face to this day that, what do you mean you didn't bring your homework? That was the last time I ever, not, I, I didn't do something that was, you know, expected of me from that part, from the part of you have this responsibility, you're doing this. And I think that I had to do a lot with me being good at school and, and academics, not so much you know, that it was, I'm very smart is just discipline and persistence and just doing it. And I broke it down to, this is the exam. What do I need to know for the exam? This right here, I'll learn it. I'll master it and move on to the next, move on to the next. So for Mr. Ayala, I'm, you know, very, very grateful. And I think we've performed thus far. <laughs> and I know we talked about this when we were doing the scheduling, but I don't remember exactly. How many employees do you have now? We are 16 in total. 16, okay. That's what I thought. And, and I'm only asking this because I think it's inspirational. How old are you, Juan Carlos? <laughs> I'm 35. 35 years old. Yes. How old were you when you started, when you went back to Mr. Yella's on a contract basis? 25 years old. Wow. So okay. 25, yeah, pretty much that we've been on, on our own as far as business-wise. And when I say on our own is looking for business, managing the business, getting your stuff done as far as bookkeeping, payroll runs, all that. Still collecting, right? Because you, as a business, you always have to uh, keep that going. So we managed the whole aspect of the business since an early age. And I think that kind of builds character and, and thick skin as well. Because as you know, running a business is not the easiest thing in the world, but it's very enjoyable once you get the traction going and, and the rhythm, knowing that, you know, having good faith that things might not always going to go your way. And even when they don't, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. At the end of the day, it's a game. It's a very serious game, but it's not true. You know, it's not really, really real. Uh, what's real is your, your family. Like I said, you know, accounting feeds my mouth, but my family, my philosophy, my friendship, those, that's what really feeds my soul. Mm, that's 
That's very wise. We we had a guest not too long ago, maybe a month ago, that talked about you know, there's a lot of things we look at in life as a problem. And he said, really, so many things are just an expense. You know, a problem is you have a family member that's sick or you have a serious illness. A flat tire or a bad investment, that's an expense. <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. it, it, yes, you know, it, it's so it's true. Money. Yeah. Yeah, so true. A, Some, sometimes they're just petty things that there's just so much more important things out there. Yes. So what do you most enjoy about operating your business these days? Like I was saying, there's a lot of obstacles, but mm-hmm. I really enjoy putting my philosophies of life into play and the universal principle. So I guess proving them in real life, having a vision drawing out a strategy to attain that vision, working hard for it, and then having a lot of faith that it's going to work. And then at the end of the day, when, they, when it does work, you just feel that, oh, that, yes, well, I'm on the right track or I am applying this correctly and there's the right mindset. I enjoy that. I enjoy motivating my team. I enjoy bringing a, a, a young accountant in that might seem like accounting is this or I have learned the theory and I'm going to apply it in practice here and just guiding them and just saying, okay, let us walk you through it and, you know, learning from their objectives and how the firm can um, help them attain those objectives and, and, and just seeing how also my, my young team is their own strategy coming into play and seeing that working. I mean, it's, 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 just, um, it's good satisfaction. It's just good satisfaction that what we're doing is, is in the right direction. And if it wasn't, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that if it wasn't, the universe would not pay us the, the way it is, which is, you know, it, it continues to bless us with good results, good outcomes. And we continue to add more people to our team that are, are like-minded individuals. That to me has just been the most rewarding. What has surprised you about operating your business that maybe you didn't anticipate in the beginning? Or, or if there's nothing there, what is one of the biggest challenges been? Well, challenges and surprising, I got to say, for me, how true the division of the two worlds really are, you know, that, that division of the personal life and the business life. I mean, I, growing up, you, you have certain, you know, you watch certain movies, you read certain things, and I guess I can boil it down to that. You know that saying from Michael Corleone when he's like, it's not personal, it's strictly business. Well, I can honestly say, at first I would say, yeah, right, it is personal. You're just trying, you know, you're just trying to sound cool and say strictly business. But uh, it turns out that he's not lying. And I'm a firm believer, too, that there are those who can understand that there's two different worlds out there and can understand and to operate and divide personal matters and feelings and emotions from business matters. And that world can be truly successful in business. Do you agree with that, Mark? Yes, there are tough decisions you have to make sometimes. And, and like you said, it's, it's not personal. It's just someone, someone has to make the call. So, someone has yeah. to make the call. And, and, and the way I prove that to myself and when I talk about that, it's like this. If I was to invite somebody over to my home where we have a barbecue, we're having a beer, our kids are running in the yard, we have a family there, I don't really talk how I would if I'm in my office, there's a desk between us and we're talking about business matters. It's just, it's different. In, in one environment, certain things that you do and say are appropriate. In another environment, there aren't. The way you explain that is, 
Well, it's a business setting, and the other one is a personal setting. Just like that is true, there's everything in between that is true as well, whether it's contracts, negotiations, certain things that you say. But sometimes I, I feel that you know, in business, people take it very personal, and that blinds them from good decision-making that should be done in the business world. And, and it has just surprised me that that has been the biggest surprise, that it is so true how there's two different worlds, two different worlds where the better you can divide both of them and not take the, the same as you don't take your personal life into business and then bring the business into your personal life because it's, it's not appropriate. So hmm. that has surprised me the most. And being able to navigate those two things and turn them off on and off so that whenever you are with family, you're not thinking about business and vice versa. That has really surprised me. I, I, I never anticipated it would be that crucial and important for you to stay on track and have a, a clear mind. Hmm. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, and I've enjoyed this conversation so much. We're, we're going a little long, which isn't a problem for me, but I, I want to make sure we respect your time, like I said. So we end every podcast with the same three questions, and we, we probably should get down to those. The first one's usually the easiest for everybody. What has been your proudest moment? My proudest moment, I want to say, and maybe it's because it's been so recent, but last month, my father attended a course I gave to the Guadalajara CPA Society, or the equivalent in Mexico. I think I made him proud, and I'm proud I made him feel that way as well. He hadn't attended any conferences or seminars I had given, so, and, and he went back to Guadalajara because that's where he graduated from. So I was very proud about that, and, you know, that he really stayed, because it was a four-hour-long course. So, number one, I was proud that he, you know, stayed awake. <laughs> and number two, the way, you know, the way he expressed himself, I, I'm, I'm really proud about that. <laughs> Four hours for a doctor to sit through an accounting seminar. Yeah, he, <laughs> he loves you very much. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> he stayed awake, so I think I did a good job there. <laughs> well, the second question, tell us about a mistake you've made and what you learned from it, of course. But frankly, the bigger the mistake, the better. We, we like the big mistakes. Well, we made several big mistakes, and I will narrow it down to business. Both Melissa and I have made some you know, erroneous uh, business investment decisions, but my biggest one was uh, deviating from my core, from what I really know in business, both my career and what, what I'm naturally good at. So I deviated, and I invested in a business which was not my core whatsoever, it actually involved a fitness center for pregnant uh, mothers, which naturally there's nothing there that I know other than you know, going through it with, with my, my wife. But uh, that was the biggest mistake, both economically, it was huge, but I learned a lot from it. That's the reason why I, I pursued the valuation analyst certification to ensure that what mistakes I did, what did I overlook, what valuation I was given that was not appropriate. And to this day, I still consult based on that real life experience. So when the clients come to me, it's whenever we do consulting, it's not just all from the books and theory and academics, but it's real life experiences from the person that's consulting you. So these are, I've been through this and that was my biggest mistake, but definitely turned it around and we're much better for it mm-hmm. because of it. Thank you for sharing that because I, I agree. I think that sometimes we can get a little success in one area and then we start to think we could be successful at anything and we, we, yeah. we stray from what our strengths are. So thank you for being willing to share that. That, That's a good lesson. It really is. Absolutely. 
Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Best piece of advice. It has been stumbling across the essay by James Allen called As a Man Thinks. Reading that essay really has put everything into context for me. You know, again, I, and, and it's hard to explain, but, but at an early age, I knew that the power of thought and, and like being in, you know, playing basketball and being in the zone, I could always recall that when I was in the zone, I was playing real well. It was because I went into the game prior to the game, knowing that I would do really well. And then times when I didn't was because prior to that, I felt like maybe this is not the day for me or where I feel a little bit tired. So when I read as a man thinks, it's just, everything just made sense. I, I want to say that page after page, I had that aha moment. Um, and, and it's an essay, so it's 21 pages. It's not long at all. But that, uh, that essay for me really sparked the interest in, in self-improvement philosophy and has really marked me. And I'm very thankful that I, I stumbled across it. Wow, thank you. I, I usually just get a quote, <laughs> not, not a full <laughs> essay. So <laughs> thank you. I'm going to have to look that up. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll send you a link and a copy. You'll enjoy it. <laughs> Well, we're we're going to put a link on the website when you send me that because I think I think everybody would benefit from that. Thank you. Thanks. That is Absolutely. good. <laughs> well, thank you again so much, Juan Carlos, for for sharing your time with us. I, I know it is a busy time of year, and and you've been very very generous with your time. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. And I really appreciate your interest in in my story, and and I look forward to sending you that link. Thank you. Well, for our audience. This has been another episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. If you haven't yet visited our website, we are going to have that link that Juan Carlos is mentioning. But we have show notes, of course, to this episode and every episode that we've produced, which is a little over 70 at this point. That website is whereaccountantsgo.com. Once again, it's www.whereaccountantsgo.com. On that note, Juan Carlos, any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the audience? Yes. If accounting is your career, definitely think big. Think very big. big. Yeah, whether it's accounting, whether it's anything you do. I mean, if I would have given advice to myself early in age, would be thinking even bigger. There's always that moment that you're going through right now that it might seem like, oh, that's impossible, far-fetched. Nothing is far-fetched. And then if I could say anything, is anything, you know, just visualize it discipline, sacrifice, a lot of the things that are getting in the way. And it's amazing how things just fall into place, fall into place, whether it's accounting, business, whatever it may be. Think huge, be disciplined, crystallize it, visualize it, and just go get it. Thank you. That's well said. It's very good advice to end this on. Well, thank you again to the audience for joining us. We will see everybody next week. There's more to come.